Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Two Guys and a Mic with a Duos edition today, so we're calling it One Guy and a Mic. I'm joined here tonight by my friend Logan, and Brian, unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, wasn't able to make the podcast for tonight. Hopefully we'll have him back for our next week's episode. Uh, first thing first, as we like to kick off the podcast, uh, Logan, tonight, what are you drinking? I'm uh, I'm sipping on some Florida Sunshine. It's a local uh, craft brew from our our local local brewery, Crooked Can. Crooked nice Can Lager. Good place. Always like going there when I'm there. Uh, tonight I'm going with a Pacifico beer. Mm. So nice little Mexican beer for us tonight. You like the Mexican beers, don't you? They are. Uh, they're making a comeback. I think people are starting to get bored with IPAs, and I think they're switching more to the foreign Mexican beer network area or whatever you want to call it yeah but i guess i'm talking about you in particular you i feel like you always have like a like a Takati, a dos Equis, a pacifico what did you have the other week yeah what did i have the other week i did have the Takate. well i had a oktoberfest because old sam's it's in season true you did have that yeah but anyway so. That, All right, let's go ahead. back to the podcast, back to business. Uh, guys, again, we're, we're still looking to connect with you guys, get some feedback, so make sure you do follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, the links are down in the description for the correct spelling of everything, and uh, let us know what you're drinking. Hey, give us suggestions for drinks for us to try. Uh, maybe we can incorporate that on the podcast, and if we get some suggestions, uh, maybe one of us will dive in and try it and on the podcast, and we'll review it for you right then and there. Or if you're a brewery and want to sponsor the podcast. Hey, we're always, hey, looking, we're always looking for sponsors. Yeah. Always looking for sponsors. Yeah. I'd be down for that. That'd be a little fun. That would work. That would work. All right, let's roll into this, uh, to the podcast with our sports material. Logan, what do you got for us to kick us off? All right, we're finally going to introduce Major League Baseball. It's making a debut on the podcast. We are in the World Series playoffs. You know, uh, in a fall where we've already seen historical low ratings across most sports, NBA, NHL, you know, it appears that baseball is not immune to that. And, uh, you know, this year the, the playoffs have seen like a 40% drop in the ratings compared to last year. Mike, do you have any interest in partaking in any part of the 2020 Major League Baseball playoffs? You know, normally, I mean, I like going to baseball. I like, you know, going to the stadiums, watching the games, having fun. Um, I'm not so much big on sitting down on a TV or at a bar watching a game. Um, I just think it, it kind of kills. I mean, there's just no atmosphere as, a, as opposed to when you go and see a game live. Um, I'm not going to watch this die hardly. I think when it comes down to a team potentially winning it, I might tune in just to see how it's played and how it's done. But other than that, these aren't my teams. They're not my nationals. I really don't have a dog in the fight to see or care to watch, per se. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. I'm not a baseball guy. Uh, I did play a little bit of baseball growing up, and I've got a story for that if we ever get into it one day. But I really enjoy going to baseball games. I love paying overpriced for beer. I love peanuts, hot dogs. But uh, as far as watching baseball on TV, I really have like little to no interest in that. I, I, I really don't turn into baseball. It's actually regular season baseball. Uh, you know, I know the season's different because the shorter season because of COVID. But you know, it, normally baseball, uh, the games don't mean anything. There's too many. 
I mean, that's that's one thing about baseball. They, they have the longest season, and it's like, do you really need it to be that long? Right, and the games are so long too. It, it just it drowns on. It's slow, and uh, I know my wife complains about football being slow, but baseball, yeah, even slower. I know they've done things to, to kind of speed it up, but I, I really just have no interest in regular season. I do turn in tune into like the playoffs if there's particularly like a, a good matchup, let's say a Yankees Red Sox matchup or something like that, or. Or kind of like this year where a local team, the Rays, are in there. I'll, I will probably tune into a couple games. I won't sit through a whole game, uh, and I definitely won't be watching every game. But I'll tune in, you know, for part of it at least. So We'll see how it goes. Um, all right, going back into our bread and basket here with the NFL here. Uh, after being released from the Jets, LeVon Bell assigned a one-year contract with the Chiefs. Bell is set to earn a prorated salary of only $690,000. With incentives, his one-year deal could end up paying him a maximum of $1.69 million. How do you see the Chief utilizing Bell this season? So the Chiefs just signed a 28-year-old running back. Signed him off the has, practice squad. Uh, uh, no, he'll, be, he'll play. He, you know, he'll play. Um, but, you know, he's... He's got to clear some some COVID related stuff. Uh, I think he's got to have like seven or nine tests, but but he'll play. I mean, he, the thing is, this is a twenty eight year old running back. In terms of like the lifespan of a running back, twenty eight years old is like the drop off. They're starting to see the decline. Uh, and you know, we're talking about a guy who hasn't had a hundred yard rushing game uh, in his seventeen games as a Jet. You know, but I don't. I also don't put that completely on him. I, I put a lot of that blame on on Gase. Um, that was a very very bad team with a very very bad coach. You probably never deserved to be a coach. Uh, he was the coach of the Dolphins. So I, I watched him a lot. And uh, do you remember his press conference when he signed for the Jets? Yeah, I never saw it. Oh, you got you got to look it up one day. He looks high. He is on some goofballs. <laughs> Oh man, he's chewing on a pen. His eyes all bugged out. Oh, it's fantastic. But uh, anyway, that's a bad team. He, he, you know, zero six right now. The Chiefs. You know, they already have a number one running back in in the rookie Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Uh, he's going to be their guy. Um, and, and the Chiefs aren't going to be asking, you know, Bell to put up you know prime numbers. At this point, you know, the more likely scenario is that just like any other team in the league, they're going to kind of go to a split back system. And uh, Hilaire will be the, you know, first down, second down guy. Yeah, Bell could be your third down, short yardage, your goal line. And, and I think that particularly goal line is where you're going to see Bell kind of shine. So the one thing about Hilaire, uh, you know, he really hasn't been able to convert on the goal lines. He's got nine carries in goal-to-goal situations for a total of minus one yards and no touchdowns going into this week. Um, you know, the, the closest guy, I think, was Aaron Rodgers, who had, like, four. So he, this guy, just, he just can't get it in the end zone. So Bell's always kind of been that elusive kind of running back. And with his patience, you know, he's not the fastest guy. But I, th- I think he'll be able to create holes, and he'll be able to get them some of those goal-line touches uh, which may come in handy against some of the you know, the better teams in in the playoffs. So, I, I mean, I I agree. I think the uh, for sure they're. I mean, I think officially with Bell joining the squad, I think they're going to have four running backs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bell included. Uh, I think 
they're a young guy, they're a young rookie. I think he's looking good, but he's just got no muscle behind him right now. And I think, uh, like you said, I think I agree with it, with Bell being that your veteran, you know, goal line stance, uh, running back with the go-to to, to punch it in. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much more there to talk about, but definitely a veteran guy. Uh, hopefully he doesn't, you know, become a distraction to the team. But... You know, he obviously wants to win games, and Kansas City can do it for him. Yeah. So, real quick, the Jets still owe him like $6 million for the rest of the season, by the way. Yeah, he's going to left his contract, yeah. Well, because he got released instead of traded or, or, or you know, he decided to leave. Uh, because he got released, like, there's a, a veteran's clause, like, where he get, doesn't get, like, his pay to redu- reduced and. So he's getting six million from the bills or from the bills, the Jets, and uh, you know potentially his you know, like one and a half from from the Chiefs. So and he goes to a, you know a good winning team. So that's he really kind of lucked out in this. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure he definitely got what he wanted. Um, I mean, gosh, I mean the Jets are just fucking horrible. But yeah, I mean him leaving, he's obviously looking for you know, a team that's in the running for potentially another Super Bowl or whatever. So, uh, yeah, the Chiefs are, I mean, how can you turn that down? Right. right. So, well, with six uh, weeks in the books for the NFL this year, there's still, uh, you know, nine one-win teams, and you have the Jets at 0-6. Should any of these teams start to think about tanking in hopes of, you know, drafting Clemson's highly anticipated quarterback, Trevor Lawrence? Do you think that the teams should tank? You know, it, I know it's a very big controversial topic and no one wants to be a fan or no one wants to see, you know, the, their team that they're a fan of, you know, potentially tank just in, in hopes of calling the season a wash and, you know, going after that number one draft pick. No one, I think, wants to see that happen. Um, I don't know necessarily if teams do it. But at the same time, with the Jets being zero and six, I I think it's a very slim chance if any other team would tank. You know what would be the point? I think it's it's a very slim chance that they would even have that draft pick to draft uh, Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, the Jets need all the help they can get. Um, they're, I mean, they have um, really. I mean, they're having quarterback troubles already. And they're going to need a young guy to turn around the franchise, and they're going to look into a quarterback to do that. So I, I mean, I don't see any other team tanking to to make a run for for that particular draft. Not even your Redskins. So I read an article, I briefly read an article, and basically they're saying that the Redskins just have a very slim chance if they were to tank to get them. They would have to obviously make some moves with teams and trades. Uh, to be able to wrap that up. So it sounded like a, a very complicated situation to be able to do that. Not as easy. It's just tanking to lose games. Right. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, I don't think in any other time in sports has, like, intentionally losing been almost like a, a fashionable thing at certain points, or, you know, kind of a smart decision where, you know, it's almost become an acceptable sports behavior. I think less so in the NFL, more so, like, say, in the NBA – but, uh, you know, I don't think teams should tank. Tanking, you know, when it, it, it's hard to do. Coaches won't survive that. So it's hard to get a coach to say, hey, we need to tank. You know, players, they're, they're all top athletes with, you know, giant egos. These guys want to win. They don't want to do that. 
You know, and I don't think that in the NFL, tanking has been particularly a successful endeavor. You know, I, look at the Browns. The Browns gutted that roster. They finished 1 in 31 in like the 2016 27 seasons, and they still suck. You know, the Bengals tanked this year to get Burrow. They've got, what, one win? You know? So it, it's it's definitely not a quick fix, even if you tank successfully. You know, I think the the main thing is that you're drafting one player who's going to spend, you know, at most half the time on the field. You know, he's going to be an offensive defensive guy. You know, it's not like the NBA where you can get a top prospect and he plays offensive defense and it's only a five-man roster and, and he can have that big impact. You know, you got one guy on 11-man side, either offense or defense. You know, he's only going to play half the time. So, you know, so I want – I think it's important to state that there's a difference between, like, rebuilding and tanking. Because maybe this is the homer in me. But I feel, and tell me what you think, the Dolphins last year didn't necessarily tank. Um, and if they tanked, they tanked at tanking because they won too many games in November and uh, it ended up drafting fifth. But, you know, the, the Dolphins were a bad team. They've been a pretty mediocre team like my entire adult life, um, you know, the last 21 years since Dan Marino. Right. You know, it, they've never been like – good enough to make the playoffs except for like one-off years and you know, i never anything consecutive they've never been bad enough though to to like get that top draft pick so they're kind of stuck in this like limbo draft purgatory where they couldn't get anybody good they had trouble signing like free agents so like when the dolphins made that decision last year to blow up a team get rid of guys who had giant salaries and even guys who had been like staples on the team i the team wasn't going to get better without blowing it up. And they had to clear room. They got a whole bunch of draft picks. They've set up for a two-year rebuild. You know, and that mindset is still the fact they're going to win. I think that's why they won those two games last year in November to kind of kill their chances at getting the number one pick. So do you think that is tanking or is that, you know, a calculated rebuild? I see it as a calculated rebuild, but um, my question to you, since you know the Dolphins better than I, I mean, what is the, you know, what is like the front office essentially for the Dolphins? Like, what's the ownership? Like, is is, is do you think that's maybe a problem or has something to do with why they can't get something going? Yes. It, I think in the past it used to be. I know we've gone through a couple GMs. Um, but I think when the Dolphins drafted Flores, uh, or draft, they signed Flores, you know, from the Patriots. He he came in with that right mindset, and I think part of his his pitch was like, "This is my plan. We're gonna blow up this team. We're gonna get draft picks. We're gonna clear cap cap room, and it's gonna be two years. And if you can commit to giving me three years to rebuild this team, I'll have a winning team for you." And I think that's kind of the mentality that he has. He knows the team is not on the level of some of the, the, the better teams, especially last year, you know, but he also kind of maintains that mindset. We're going to compete to the best of our ability. Uh, and I think that's what I really like in this coach. I've not been impressed by a lot of the Dolphins head coaches in the last couple of years or a couple years, but a couple coaches. So, you know, Flores has that, that winning mindset knows that there's, 
things that have to be done. And, and like in terms of Tua, uh, I know we'll, we'll talk about that at a, at a later date, but he's got a plan for Tua, and, and he stuck to that plan, regardless of, of what happened. So... Anyway, let's move on. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, you know, they came into Sunday with a four and re- four and one record, but got utterly blown out and destroyed by the Steelers, thirty eight to seven. The Browns' quarterback Baker Mayfield was pulled in the third quarter. The Browns were trailing, I think, thirty one to seven at that point. Have the Browns seen enough of Baker Mayfield? I'm gonna say no, right off the bat on that one. Um, you know, every everyone's gonna have their bad days. Um, and I want to say, didn't the Browns in the prior week play Dallas at Dallas? Oh gosh, I should know this, but um, I don't remember. I want I want to say they did, and I want to say the Browns won. But it was like it was it was a back and forth game. Uh, neither team really had defense in the game. We all know Dallas Cowboys have no defense at all right now. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I think it, if I have it correct, they're coming from Dallas, no defense, to playing a very good defense um, in Pittsburgh, of course. Right. Top uh, defense in the league. Yeah. And it's a home game for the Seahawks. So it's just like, you know, I, I think it's too soon to go out on Baker Mayfield. Um I'm just and I don't know. I mean, I I'm not a big Odell Beckham fan, and I know he's crying like crazy right now because of all this. And you know, he had his issues in that game. You know, he took off his cleats with eight minutes left to go and just started heckling fans. You know, going back and forth like uncalled for. But I'm wondering if that's also a distraction for the team as well. And if that's your star wide receiver, I mean, how's the relationship with Baker Mayfield and you know Odo Beckham? Is is oh, that's getting it, sour. It's getting sour. Fast. It's starting to stink. And so it's just like, you know, you brought Odell in to help Baker Mayfield, and now that relationship's not there. So it's just like, what do you do? And does Baker Mayfield want to throw in the ball? Probably not. Oh, he absolutely does. And I, I, it's the time for Cleveland to move on from from Mayfield. They need to bench him. They need to put him on the trading block. Who are they going to get? And get rid of him. Who are they going to get? They, they've got Kate, though. I mean, Keith Keenum is their guy right now, their backup. Not fantastic, but. Uh, I mean, he Mayfield's, didn't do, he didn't do Mayfield's anything. not the answer. He didn't do anything in the fourth quarter coming in when he no, got benched. But, no, but that's. That's like you said against the Steelers, at away you know with no practice with the first squad, you know so that game was a wash. They you know Beckham gave up, but you know I I know that Mayfield hurt his ribs last week uh, in Indy, um so I know that kind of played into a little bit. I know the Steelers have this fantastic D line and. You know, it, but the thing is, this isn't an isolated instance with Mayfield. He's got a history of this. And the Browns, you know, they've got every weapon a young quarterback could want. They got Landry and OBJ. They've got Austin Hooper at the tight end, who's a solid player. They've got two fantastic running backs in Chubb and Hunt. On paper, this offense is scary good. 
And with this offense, Maker Bayfield has a 16 and 19 record as a starter. He's got a losing record. He name name a quarterback that came into the league and had this many weapons, you know. You know, for for the team. But the thing is they they were 4 and 1 coming in. They're now 4 and 2 and now you're saying the second loss you have had it with Mayfield? Oh, I was done with Mayfield a long long time ago. But the but their winning record of being 4 and 2 that should be a reflection on Mayfield that they're at least I'll doing stuff why. and getting stuff done. Get, they're getting I'll wins. tell you why it's not. You know, for teams to be successful, they got to have consistency, especially at the quarterback position. And even when the the Browns have won, you know, Baker Mayfield's been you know, pretty pedestrian. You know, he's completed like 63% of his passes for only 700 and something yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. Like, that's an average of under 200 yards a game in the air. You know, these are these are not franchise quarterback numbers. You know, so and, and then in the games which they lost, you know he's he's got like a fifty four percent, you know, percent uh, completion percentage with only like two touchdowns and three interceptions. All right, let me let me throw these, this at you because we're we're talking quarterbacks here. What about the Jacksonville's Minshew quarterback? He's another guy I, I love Minshew as a as a player as a character. He's fantastic, but he's garbage. He's garbage. Yeah, the team. He's garbage. Jacksonville's not showing up at all at all this year. Yeah, and like once again, that's not a good team. He does not have the weapons that Mayfield has. Uh, they're rebuilding. They're in the Trevor Trevor Lawrence Bowl. You know, they're hoping to get him. And, and I'll give you one more reason why the Browns should get rid of Baker Mayfield. His commercials—they're garbage. They're absolutely bad. They do play too much. I will say that. Oh, they're they're bad. They're bad. The book club. Oh, come on. Oh, give me the the Manning. You know, one of my favorite ones is Eli and, and Peyton, and they're, they're like the NFL studios, and they're what's uh, the ESPN like commercial? Kids, yeah, kicking yeah, each other. Right. And you know uh, that that's good. That's good commercial. Well, we're definitely missing Peyton Manning. He's obviously not doing as many commercials as he I once know. was, which we've seen that it's like. Is it because of COVID? What's what's the change? I think if it wasn't for COVID, I think he'd have more more commercials, more commercials going on this season. But wondering what that should be a backstory. We got we got to figure out what's going on with Peyton Manning. We got to dig him up. Yep, get him on the show. All right, let's move on. So we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers humbled the Green Bay Packers, beating them thirty eight to ten after suffering their first loss of the season. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers indicated that a lopsided loss was just what the Packers needed, stating. You don't ever want to lose like this. I feel like we needed a little bit of a wake-up call this season. I think we needed a kick in the ass and a little bit to stop feeling ourselves so much. Was this loss a proverbial blessing in disguise for the Packers? What do you think? So one of my favorite quotes is from Yogi Berra. You know, it's losing is learning is a learning experience. You know, it teaches you humility. It teaches you to work harder. It's a powerful motivator. Uh, you know, in in today's NFL, I don't expect teams to go undefeated f- for the season. I don't expect Seattle to. Uh, I don't expect uh, Steelers and Titans, especially because they play each other next week. Um, yeah, I don't expect these teams to to go undefeated. I think eventually they'll st- they'll stumble. They'll, they'll look ahead in the schedule. You know, but if you're gonna lose a game, losing to like you know the future Hall of Famer and Tom Brady. You know, it shouldn't hurt their ego too badly. You know, the Packers, their their body of work this season gives me confidence that Rodgers and the Packers will be just fine going forward. They'll 
they'll get things worked out. And I know it was a really bad performance for them, particularly for Aaron Rodgers. You know, but I've got confidence that they can get past that, and, and next week they'll be better. I know um, the coach said that they had really horrible practice this week. Maybe that kind of makes a difference. I, I, I don't know. At this level, I think practice is more of a tuning thing rather than it sets the tempo, but I, I could be wrong. Um, you know, and, and looking forward, the Packers don't have a tough schedule. I think as of right now, they only have four games against teams with winning records, you know. So this could kind of serve as that reality check and, hey, keep them grounded. Moving forward, they'll be, they'll be just fine. I agree. And I think the other side of the story that we're not talking about, I think everyone's so focused on Aaron Rodgers and, and getting that first loss. But what about Tampa Bay? I mean, like, it seems like one week they're on, the next week they're not. Like, they're, it's like they're splitting at 50-50. Like, the last week, I don't think they were there. This week they come in and they show up and they beat a really good team with the Packers and, you know, can them their first loss. Yeah, as much as I rag on, you know, Tom Brady, he can still get up to play a game. And I think this is he, – he he's an athlete, man. He's a competitor. He he strives on, on these big games and he's shown up in the big games, for you know, for the most part in his career. So I think a game like this he really gets up for. He got the guys going, especially after you're coming off a loss. You know, you always kind of want to bounce back, and so I think that maybe maybe the Bucks lost at the right time so they could beat the beat the Packers. Right, definitely, definitely looking forward to uh, the Packers bouncing back and see what happens uh, next week for them. So last week the Atlanta Fal- Falcons fired their GM and head coach Dan Quinn. This week they presented the game ball to interim head coach Raheem Morris after holding off the Minnesota Vikings and recording their first win of the season. Even if it wasn't in overtime, Atlanta's defense came alive and picked off Kirk Cousins three times in the first half. In his short tenor, as has Morris been able to ignite the Falcons defense or Cousins interceptions just too much to overcome. You know, last week we kind of saw Romeo Cornell come in and lead the Texans to their first victory. Uh, Morris kind of followed suit this week with the Falcons. And uh, interestingly enough, I think that uh, three of the last five interim head coaches have won their first game. Uh, but in the modern NFL kind of age, the win-loss record for an interim head coach is is like 31-60. and 60, is the 31 win, 34% win percentage. So these kind of like stats where they win, you know, these, these games right now are, are kind of against the grain. So... The, the for the Falcons the issue hasn't been their offense. Matt Ryan, you know, has been putting up a lot of points. They've put up 162 points uh, this year, and now they're getting back like a healthier Julio Jones. So they'll continue to put up points. Um, just for comparison, the 162 points is the same amount the Packers have put up, and only a touchdown fewer than the Seahawks, and a couple more points than the Steelers. So they're putting up just as many points as these top offenses. Well, on, but, on, on paper, the Falcons should have won more games. Absolutely. They, they didn't. I mean, they got robbed in Dallas. Yeah, but it's, it's their defense. The team averages 30.7 points against per game. You know, it's 28th in the NFL. You know, Morris was the defensive coordinator, so maybe, you know, the defense kind of guys kind of rally, putting a little bit more effort, saying, hey, this is our guy. we got to show up for him. You know, how long will that last? You know, will that defense kind of slip back and 
and, and regress a little bit, you know. So I think this maybe is like a short burst. You know, I still don't expect them to be a great team. But, I mean, they can put up points. It's, it's going to depend on their defense. I agree. And, I mean, the Falcons can be known to put up points this season. It's not like they're hurting in that department. Um, like you said, maybe it's just it's the defense. I think the other story is I got to pick on Kirk Cousins. I, I don't think he's a quarterback that should be in the league. He's too cold, you know, too often. And it clearly did not show up at all at all against Atlanta, which, I mean, that's just uncalled for to lose that game. I mean, Vikings, I thought, looked like the, the old selves uh, last week. You know, the, their defense was pretty dominant. And then for this to happen, I mean, granted, the off it was the offensive ball was just wasn't doing anything because with the turnovers and all that, Cousins wasn't helping them out. But I wouldn't be – I mean, talk about giving up on quarterbacks, Cousins – Without a doubt, give up on him right now. You've never been big on him, though. Never, because he's he he's too hot and cold. He'll be hot for like five minutes and then go cold for the next three. So it's just like you know. I mean that that I understand because that's that's kind of my argument with with Baker Mayfield is he he's not consistent. Yeah, I. All right, so that's that would be your pick. My pick would be Cousins for sure, without a doubt. Hands down. So the, during the the Patriots' loss last week, they lost eighteen to twelve to the um, Denver Broncos. You know, Cam Newton joined Michael Vick as the only two quarterbacks in history to run for more than five thousand career rushing yards. You know, Vick still is the leader at uh, you know sixty one hundred yards. Do you have any of the young dual threat quarterbacks ever breaking Michael Vick's rushing record? At this day, at this you know day and age in the in sport of the NFL, I'm going to say no. Um, I know there's guys out there that you know you're going to talk about, and I'll let you have you talk about them. But I just think the role of a dual threat quarterback just isn't there. I mean, um, a couple years ago, you know, we were seeing more of the teams try it with the wild card or wildcat uh, formation, and you know, it, it's it's kind of mixed up the game. Um, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just it's it's history re- repeating itself. Um, and who knows? Maybe a couple years down the road, some coach comes in, you know, has a new game plan, tries to bring that back. Would not be surprised. Um, there's not too much you can invent in this sport. Um, you know, for how long it's been around, I don't see the record changing though. I don't I don't see it happening. And I think the quarterback right now because it's so fast. It's all about getting that ball snaps and then finding your receiver and hitting them as fast as you can. The speed of the game is only getting faster. Sure. And I I just don't believe in the dual threat quarterback role. Yeah, you know, looking at the young dual threat quarterbacks, yeah. I, I think there's only one like really contender that can kind of break that in, in being Lamar Jackson. So in his less than three seasons, he's already put up, you know, only over twenty two hundred yards rushing. Uh, in, in last year alone, he put up to over 1,200 yards. So, you know, and, and this year he's on pace to, to surpass that. I think he's about 1,250. Um, so that those two, uh, if he finishes this year on the same, finishes this season on the same pace, he's going to be over 3,000 yards. That's halfway to Vic over, in just three seasons. You know, I know he sets the, the rushing record almost every year with, you know, the most rushes by a quarterback in a season. And, and that 
is impressive in the fact that he's been healthy. He hasn't missed a game as a starter in the NFL. He missed like one game in college due to like a foot injury, but he's been he's been clean. And when you rush that often, your your risk of getting injuries is so high. You know, one injury, you know, you could be Robert Griffin the third and never be the same. And he's got to stay healthy. You know, at this rate, it only takes him six seasons. You know, the average quarterback, elite quarterback these years, you know, is, is playing like 18 to 20 seasons. So even if he's not rushing at, say, 1,000 yards a season, which he shouldn't be, the, the Ravens need to cut that out. You know, otherwise they're going to get hurt. But he, he's on pace to do it. He's on pace to do it. And I, I think the Ravens have him. I, don't, I think the Ravens don't plan for him to be a rushing quarterback. I don't think that's in the playbook necessarily. I mean, there, I'm sure there's a, probably like one or two plays, you know, they can they can do and play. But I don't think that they want to do that. Um, the thing that gets me is like, you know, he checks all his receivers. He's got nothing. He scrambles and then, like, he doesn't scramble very much. He just, he just, at that point, he just goes, okay, all my, all my guys are covered and I'm going to take off. And when he takes off, the defense doesn't necessarily, you know, expect that because, again, he's not that standard dual threat guy. But he does, when he does run, he gets a fair amount of yardage and that's contributing, obviously, to those stats. When he does run, it's usually a big play, it's a big run, big stat game for him. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're not. It's not like Michael Vick where they have got a whole half of a playbook designed to, you know, get him running. You know, so he he's definitely more of a scrambler who's just a really athletic guy and picks up big chunk plays and, and sure he can he can move. Um, but two things real quick, real quick, real quick. Um, so Cam is sitting at you know over five thousand yards now, and at this pace he'll end up with like nine hundred more rushing yards based on how he's been so far what'll put the that'll put him in the territory of like 5700 yards by the end of the season you know certainly he's not done after this year so you got to think that cam newton's probably going to break vick's record now i know he's not a young guy but so this is this is one guy who's most likely going to end up as the leader uh and then interesting enough russell wilson has like 4100 yards already rushing in his nine seasons you know, over the last three years, he's averaging about 400 yards a season. You got to think that he's got probably at least five more, so he'd probably break Vic's record too. So um, it'll be interesting to see where, who sets the bar and, and ends up as the rushing leader. I'm, I'm, I'll say one of them gets hurt. I think Cam one. Of, and yeah, <laughs> I think Cam Newton. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, okay, so you got COVID, you know, sat out a couple games. Um, I would not be surprised if something happens on a play and he's out another couple games uh, this he's season. Just, he's the more injured guy, and he's that makes him prone to re-injuring. And, you know, if he runs and, and gets hit, falls the wrong way, twists something, that could be it. Yep, there goes your franchise uh, quarterback there, yep. or your new franchise quarterback, I should say. All right, the Tennessee Titans and Pittsburgh Steelers will face off in Week 7 in what is a battle of the last two unbeaten teams in the AFC. The Titans are coming off a tightly contested overtime win over the Houston Texans, and the Steelers are fresh off a stomping of the Cleveland Browns. Which undefeated season are you most impressed with, and who remains undefeated? 
both these teams have been pretty impressive, um, in my opinion, but I, I'm far more impressed with the Steelers. Uh, you know, last year, the Titans had a really strong finish. Ryan Tannehill, comeback player of the year. Um, who who can play? He as as a Dolphins quarterback, you know he he could play. He did not have a great line and all kinds of issues, but he can play. He's got some accuracy issues. Um, but you know, last season he played out of his mind. Took the the team, the, the finishing the wild card, took him deep into the playoffs. You know, in that process, they knocked off some really good teams. They knocked off you know Tom Brady led Patriots team twenty to thirteen, uh, the wild card round, and then they took on the Ravens. 28-12 in the divisional round. Uh, and ultimately, they lost to the Super Bowl champions in a 35-42 loss in the AFC Championship game. So that that's a pretty good record. They've, they've kept that going in this year, being 5-0. You know, the like we mentioned last week, Ben Rosper is coming off that elbow surgery, which typically, you know, you don't see a quarterback come back from. Uh, you know, and after, you know, only playing two games last year. So... The real question is how good was he going to be? You know, the last time he played a full season was 2018. They had a nine and six record. They didn't win their division. They had, that has to go back to 2017 for when they won the division. So you know, coming off his surgery, the the bar that I had for him and particularly the Steelers wasn't very high. I didn't think they'd be bad, but I did not have them going undefeated so far. You know, uh, Big Ben. You know, he's been been quietly winning this week this year. He's my pick for them to stay undefeated, you know, I think they'll I think they'll take out the Tennessee Titans, and I'll give you three reasons why. Rossberger's not throwing as much, which is a good thing, and his uh, completion percentage is, is almost seventy percent, which is the highest he's ever had in his career. And, and he just knows how to win games. So when you're throwing that accurate, and you have a smart quarterback who's been there. I trust him. You know. Um, Derrick Henry on the on the Titans, he's the number one rushing, you know, running back this year, uh, averaging over five yards a carry. If anybody's going to slow him down, it's the Steelers defense. They got a run blitz defense, which is really effective, and and the Steelers are only allowing like three point three yards per rush. So that's that's two less than, than what Henry has. So if they can just slow him down. I think that that'll put the Steelers in a better position. The Titans really depend on that rush to kind of open up their passing game. They're a very play-action heavy team. Uh, you know, since Ryan Tannehill started with the ta- with the Titans, uh, he's led the league in, in QBR, yards per attempt, and touchdowns in play-action scenarios. Um, and, and the third reason is the Titans lost their best offensive lineman. Uh, and Lewin last week, he tore his ACL in the third quarter. Henry has really seen the success, particularly last year, rushing behind Lewin on on the tackle and then also behind the the left guard. So with him being out, it's going to hurt. He's not going to have that that block, that that cap to kind of break the edge. Uh, You know, veteran linemen taking over um, and left tackle this week. Last week, the, the, the tackle faced off against J.J. Watt. This, this week, he's got to go against his younger brother in T.J. Watt. So that's why I think the Steelers are going are gonna to come out on top. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, if you would have told me the Steelers, the Titans, and the Seahawks are going to be all undefeated going into Week 7, 
I would have laughed in your face. I'd have been like, there's no way. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's impressive what we, what we've seen so far from this year, uh, especially from these, from these teams, uh, you know, someone bouncing back like Ben Roethlisberger from the Steelers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, two undefeated, two undefeated teams this week and went at it with the Steelers and Titans Steelers at home. Got to go with them. Big defense. I think they pull it out. So I guess I think it's important to state that Brian actually was is on board for the Titans. So me and you think the Steelers, Brian is, is taking the Titans. Uh, and I think that's because he has Derrick Henry in fantasy. So I think he's uh, he's buying into that, that running back right there. So Let's see what happens. It's going to be a good game. Got to watch it. Yep. The best game of the week, I think. All right, so moving into our pick'em stuff, it was a huge win for me uh, this past week. Uh, going ten to four, Brian going six and eight, and Logan at eight and six. Me, of course, winning all the games that we differed on. So, yep, you had some good picks. And going into next week, week seven, uh, real quick with the same picks, we got the Eagles over the Giants, Bills over Jets, Saints over Panthers. Packers taking over the Texans, Browns over the Bengals, Falcons over Lions, Seahawks, Cardinals, Seahawks over the Cardinals, uh, Chargers over the Jaguars, Chiefs over the Broncos, and Buccaneers at Raiders, and the Rams at the Bears. we got to come up with something new there, going through that long list. So that leads us with only three different picks this time, as opposed to last week where we had four. So I think we're starting to get uh, picking up on each other's picks here. So why don't you go ahead and run through these real fast with the different picks? Yeah, kind of like we just talked about. You and I both took the Steelers, and Brian's taking the Titans. Um, so I, I think that's kind of fantasy related, as we talked about. So, uh, and then Brian and I are taking the Cowboys. You're taking Washington. Um, it's rival week. You know, you, you can't can't go against the Cowboys. I mean, they're cowgirls for a reason this year. Uh, Washington not looking too great either. Um, I'm just hoping the Cowboys uh, defense doesn't show up again and gives us a chance. And I, it's in it's in Maryland. It's in it's in Washington. So I think it's going to be another huge advantage for us. Yeah, but you got to think Andy Dalton's going to be better this year or this week. I mean, you hope so. But then you still have a lousy defense, so it's just like you know you got to play both sides of the ball to win. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and the last pick, I guess, is the 49ers. Uh, you and I are taking the 49ers over the Patriots. Brian's taking the Patriots. We'll have to uh, find out how that one works. It's, I mean, that's a toss-up game. I know the, the 49ers kind of haven't been been playing well. You know, Packers, or Packers, Patriots, to a certain extent, are, are kind of in that same boat. Yeah, they haven't played too well the past two weeks. You know, but if, if Garoppolo wasn't back, I would have been on the other side. But uh, This was definitely a questionable pick for me, but... Yeah, I decided on the 49ers. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. I really thought you were going to pick the Raiders over the Bucks. Well, it's it's funny because, like, um, you know, I still think the Buccaneers' identity isn't there yet. Like, they're just one, – one week they're on, one week they're off. Um, I mean, I, I can't pick the Raiders after the Buccaneers, you know – did such damage against the Packers. Right, right. So you got to go with the, with the Buccaneers on that one. Hopefully they show up. Hopefully that, you know, they can start getting more consistency. Um, 
with the team and see if they can start, you know, winning these games to close out the season here. If Tom Brady wants to make another uh, Super Bowl run with a different team. Yep. He's got some yeah, work to do. Yeah, I really thought you were going to take the Raiders though. Even even with the Buccaneers big game. You've been you've been all about the Raiders, so I thought you were going to you're going to follow suit. They've been doing good. They've been doing good. Haven't turned me down. Yeah. So, all right, we're moving into fantasy. We've got a trade alert here. We've got a pending trade between Brian and my father-in-law. He's uh, Brian is trading away Eckler and Jones, two two running backs. Eckler being on IR and uh, Jones being, you know, definitely a top running back, probably a, you know maybe top four running back in the league. Uh, you know, for Hunter Henry, tight end, who's who's good. Uh, you know, tight ends this week, this year have really been inconsistent. So to find a a, t- a tight end that's serviceable, I think, goes a long way. Uh, and Nick Chubb, who's on IR, but is uh, you know, I think I think he's going to bounce back. Yeah, I think I think he'll be he'll be back. So so really, you're kind of talking about you know Eckler for for Henry and, and Chubb for Jones. Who who do you think wins this trade? Who who do you think's the winner? Who do you think's the, the loser? You know, I barely looked at that. Um, Chubb looked really good, but we're talking the Browns now, and. I think there's there's problems in that organization right now, clearly. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that continues on, but uh, I think he'll be a good pick. But I don't know. I I got nothing to say about this trade. (laughs) I mean, Aaron Jones, he's he's just been a great, great player this this year. Um, So it's kind of hard for me to, you know, give up that kind of guy, I think. But Brian's willing to make that risk for for Chubb and, and Henry. So... He's got to uh, make some, got to make some moves, I guess, to try to get out of this rut. Yeah, I think it's worth noting though that Chubb was Wayne's keeper this year, so he's trading away his keeper. Uh, well, I guess he's because he's injured, though. Yeah, I mean, that'd be I mean, line. Jones is good, but but maybe that's a long term play by Brian. Yeah. So. All right, so going into our scores this week, we won't mention mine because it's very pitiful. Brian, back-to-back wins, two and four, still in seventh place, but uh, you know, moving in the right direction, had the highest score this week. Uh, you also had a had a win, second highest score uh, this week. Uh, you are now at five hundred in fifth place, uh, and I, I guess maybe we should talk about my score. <laughs> if you want, I'm just I'm just happy to get back to back wins. I'm I'm, st- I'm starting to get you know pushed right, in the right. right direction here. So yep, can't really say so, too much. So I ended up with a a a pitiful. And I've never seen a score this this low in, in any league, and this is the lowest score in our our league history with only 47 points. The only guy who got double digits for me this week was Mixon, who got hurt too. You know, he left the game. So it it was a a bad. Bad week, you know. Rodgers didn't do good. Beckham didn't play a lot of the fourth quarter. You know, Andy Dalton kind of killed Lamb. Davis did all right, but he had a fumble. Uh, and, and you know, the Panthers really didn't have a lot of a lot of rushing yards. You know, Chicago winning again, kind of kind of one of those things we got to keep an eye on. But uh, you know, I traded traded for Zach Ertz this week. He got hurt. You know, so that uh, that didn't work. You know, I was going to pick up uh, T.J. Hawkerson, who ended up with seven points, which is pretty respectable from a tight end. So that that hurts, you know. And then Indy's defense, you know, lost to 
Cincinnati. I guess I incorrectly told Cincinnati was one in, uh, win. They actually have two wins this season. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a lot on my bench. I only had um, you know kind of two guys that really were even slottable. And, and you know, Godwin with Tampa was coming off a bye week or uh, injury. Sorry. So it was hard to, to start him with a hamstring injury. So I mean, even if I would have started my best team, I, I wouldn't have have won this week. So uh, looking forward to next week. You and I are matching up for the first time this season, and we're both on the leaderboard together. So with the same record, you just had me beat based on true. Yeah, I've got you. I've got you. I got the tiebreaker over you with points. So. Someone's uh, gonna yep. be moving. Someone's gonna be moving. Yep, yep. How do you see this week playing out between me and you? Are you uh, do you think it's gonna be even? One team have an edge. Let's pull it up real fast because I haven't even looked at it yet. But like, who, who's your quarterback? Who do you got? So I'm. I got a roll with Aaron Rodgers. Dak was my quarterback who I was riding to the the greener pastures but that's now gone you know i gotta think that aaron Rodgers is gonna bounce back he's not gonna have five points like he had last week uh you know you got mahomes who's who's always a solid pick you know he's i think he's averaging like at least 20 something or 27 points a game so they're playing denver which i like that matchup but they denver did win this past week so right yeah and green Bay's playing houston which you know another team who gives up some some points so you know, Beckham, who knows who's going to show up. He's he's that inconsistent guy as a result of Mayfield. So he's he could go off for uh, 33 like he did in week four, or he could have two points like he had last week. So you never kind of kind of know. He's the he's the wild card, you know. You know, my my, my running backs still are, are questionable, um, where I think yours are probably a little bit more consistent. Um, still questionable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, so I think it'll be a pretty close game. I think that you'll probably be projected to beat me this week. Um, But it's going to be a tale of which team of mine shows up, I think. You've been pretty consistent all year. Even though you're you're 3-3, your your team's been pretty consistent. Well, now, consistent, yeah. The first three weeks were pretty rough. Yeah. So... Well, we'll have to see. We'll see who gets bragging rights for for next week. There you go. You, Stay uh, tuned. You, you want to put it a little side bit on this action? <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> we, All right. Let's let's keep it rolling. We got we, we loser we buys beers. All right. All right. This weekend we got UFC two hundred and fifty four. I remember when UFC one hundred was was going on back in college. Holy cow. So uh takes place this Saturday with the main event featuring the undefeated lightweight heavyweight champion, uh Khabib, who faced off against probably his toughest uh challenge, you know, as of recently. I know he he faced McGregor, but uh you know, in, in the form of uh interim champion Justin Gagey. Um who who are you taking? You taking Khabib or Gagey? So what I pulled up to to look at this fight, I like I like Khabib. I think he's um He's a little bit more tactical and, you know, definitely uses his feet was a big thing in terms of his placement and stuff. I think he's well, you know, situated with where his positioning is on the other guy when they were grappling. So I think that's what it takes to win UFC, if, if not just a standalone fighter, but, you know, to get in there and grapple and get maneuvers in. I like Khabib. 
Yeah, I'm also dating Khabib, you know. I think Gagey's probably the superior, like, striker. But uh, but Khabib is, is just... He's a good striker, but he's the far superior grappler and, and submission specialist. So, uh, to me, Khabib's going to wear him down. Ultimately, they'll take it to the ground, and, and Khabib's just going to dominate him. You know, probably, you know, say the third round. I'll take I'll take Khabib third round with his, by submission. And, and, and anything goes with the UFC. I mean, they could come out there, and Justin could, like, end it with a, with the perfect strike in, you know, 13 seconds, that we've seen in, in yeah. previous UFC fights. So, yeah, you never know. You never know. Do you, do you enjoy UFC? I do. I don't follow it um, just because, you know, the, the farts are so far spread out, per se. Um, but, yeah, I definitely enjoy watching it and, you know, seeing what these people do. Yeah. I used to follow UFC considerably more, especially in college. Um, uh, and just after college, I, I followed UFC a lot. And I loved watching Ultimate Fighter. But uh, to me, the characters just aren't there. You don't have, like, the Iceman and Chuck Liddell anymore, you know. I you just don't have some of those good characters. McGregor's a, a fun guy, but you know, I love Chuck Liddell. He was, right. he was my man. You always saw these, you know, the typical back-to-back fighters that would, you know, yeah, that, that I don't know. Is, is that going to make a comeback? I hope so. Cause I think the UFC needs that. Yeah. They, they need to be more characters. They, they, the fighting's important, but they need to have the characters. They need to have more guys like Conor McGregor, you know, more guys like John, 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 John bone Jones, you know, you need to have those characters. You know, personalities are what's going to draw people in, not the fight necessarily. So, there we go. So, on this day in sports history, I'm going to steal your your thunder here. The uh, in 2004, the Boston Red Sox pulled off the reverse sweep over the New York Yankees in Game Seven of the AL Championship Series. The Sox then went on to win the World Series for the first time in 86 years, finally breaking. The uh, so-called Curse of the Bambino. Do you remember this series? I would say 2004. The Bloody Sock with uh, with Schilling. Yeah, I can't can't place it. I know maybe, like, again, I don't follow baseball. I'm sure I've watched this series at least a little bit more, being that it was, you know, the Red Sox and uh, the New York Yankees, but I just can't remember it. Yeah. This was probably the last time I was really excited for baseball. Was was this series? I mean, yeah. I mean, what more could baseball fans like? It's the biggest rivalry in baseball. So, all right, Mike, sign us off. All right, so guys, you know, once again, looking to connect with you guys. Make sure you do follow the descriptions and hit us up on either Twitter or Facebook. Put us some input. Put us on your drinks of choice. Give us something. Looking to hear from you. As all good things stuff coming soon. Once again, stop by and say hi. Stop by and say hi. Once again, this is Two Guys and a Mic. Special edition, do his edition. This guy and a mic. Have a good week. Bye.